first, what is going to be your audience? I mean, it's just like when you're releasing a product, you know, when you're releasing a job and you want to bring top talent to it, you need to make sure that you study, okay, who's going to be, who do I want to attract to this job? Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Michael Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 25 of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. On today's episode, I'm joined by Gino Ferrand, the founder and CEO of Tecla, an online marketplace for remote jobs that works with small and medium-sized businesses to help them find top remote talent based in the U.S., Canada, and Latin America. And during the podcast, we got to talk about what made Gino start the company and why it transitioned into remote staffing, the most important skill sets that people need to have to be an attractive hire for companies, and what you need to know as a company in order to hire and manage a remote team successfully. Don't forget to head over to your favorite podcast player and leave the show a review. I read each and every review and may share your thoughts on the next episode of That Remote Show. All right, you guys, with that out of the way, I really enjoyed this conversation and I think you will too. So let's jump into this interview with Gino Ferrand. Gino, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to have you on here because... You and your company work specifically with remote workers and helping companies staff remote workers, which is awesome. I'm super pumped about it. You're you know, really excited about the remote workspace, as am I. Uh, and so I think this is going to be a really fun conversation. Um, before we dive into you know, everything, I just want to hear more about you and kind of how your company Tecla was formed. Can you tell me how did you end up doing what you do now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm from Lima, Peru, originally. I moved up to to the States um, probably 16, 16, 17 years ago already. And um, the company actually started as a development shop, pretty traditional um, app development, web development, all sorts of software development for different startups and Mostly seed stage companies, Series A companies. We were working with a lot of companies in uh, actual software development. Um, that was back in 2013, very early 2013. So from 2013 to now, uh, we basically kept following where our customers took us. You know, ever since we started, more and more of our clients wanted us to help them recruit, help staff them with um, engineers and and software professionals. And we just kept following that demand. And um, last year we released this version of Tecla, which is now a fully fledged marketplace. And we're focused on remote talent because that's how we've always worked. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, we're doing um, something that we know a lot about and, and ourselves, we're a hundred percent remote company. So we tend to help companies that come to us also navigate the, the dynamics of working distributed. Mm, so you guys essentially had like a company where you guys together were working remotely and you had your clients asking to help 
staff you in the same way. Did they initially want you to help them find talent locally or was it from the very beginning all about remote? Yeah, from the from the very beginning it was all about remote with with our clients because they knew that we worked remotely and we had a we had an office in Lima, we had an office here in the US and then a lot of our team members were really not just in Lima and the US, but we had people working from Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, really all across the Americas. So that's when we, it, it kind of pulled us pretty organically. And our clients, yeah, were pretty, they were, they, they knew that we worked remotely and that that was um, the way that we wanted to help them. So, um, so we never, we never got much pushback in terms of, you know, we only want to hire locally with our existing client base. But that is something that we see uh, today with the marketplace as we get to meet new companies and new hiring managers. They always, uh, you know, seem to have different takes on remote work. You know, some are more apprehensive and others are um, are already working with remote team members or, you know, are more comfortable with the dynamics. How do you deal with the clients that are more apprehensive, right? Who this is a totally new thing for what, what does that conversation look like? What are they apprehensive about? And you know, what is, how does the conversation go in that case? Yeah. I mean, when they are a bit more apprehensive, um, you know, it depends obviously what report we have with that client. We, we don't want to push something on a company that knows that they're not trying to work remotely for, you know, A, B, and C reasons. Um, but typically we find that a lot of companies just haven't really educated themselves yet on what it means to work remotely and how it can be achieved. You know, now in 2019, there's so many tools to work remotely really effectively and to manage teams and build products remotely and do so many things remotely um, that previously a lot of managers just didn't think uh, were possible. So it kind of depends, you know, how, how well we know that company. And, but typically I, I, we try to have conversations around it and, and see, Oh, well, where are you in this process? And some are super close to it, but most are intrigued by it at least, even if they're not trying it yet. So then you get to, you know, share some, you know, differing opinions on it and just chat about how um, it can be accomplished for that company. So there's a lot of education, I guess, in the in the whole concept. Yeah, I've met, um, it's interesting because I've met some business owners or even managers who have like tried, you know, remote work and I bring it up to them and they will say something like, oh no, like I tried that, doesn't work. And I'll ask them, when did you try it? And they're like, oh, 2006. And I'm like, okay, things have changed since 2006. Like you kind of tried like really early when it was really, really difficult. Not that it's not tough now, but a lot of the issues from back then have been, you know, like removed just with how much easier it is to communicate now and to share progress of work and et cetera, et cetera. Now you mentioned that Tecla is a marketplace. And I find that really interesting. What exactly, like describe to me how Tecla works. And if I were a company that wanted to hire somebody, like what would the experience be like for me? Yeah. And and I was just about to touch a little bit on what you were just saying about how some companies are like, you know, we don't work remotely because this happened to us, you know, two, three Mm -hmm. years ago. 
And it's, it's really interesting because a lot of the times, too, it's not just about how long ago they tried it, but um, there's a lot of factors, obviously. But some companies also tend to equate remote work with hiring an agency offshore. Mm. So, and, or, you know, maybe still working with an agency if the company is in San Francisco and they're working with an agency in Boston, for example, um, that is remote work, but they're equating it also with, uh, an agency type relationship. So it could be that, you know, they're having, they had a bad experience or a poor experience because of the agency model or the way that the project was set up more than the remote factor. But a lot of people just tend to kind of wrap it all into the remote uh, word. And they're like, Oh, it was remote that failed us. But really there's, you know, there's a lot of factors that could have been the, the real issue. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, in terms of our marketplace, what we are is basically a, a hiring, uh, a, a hiring solution for companies and for candidates that work remotely. So typically, I mean, we see a lot of candidates come to us for us to bring them into the network and obviously let them know when there's new remote opportunities from the companies that we work with. But from the company side of things, if it's a company that want, is looking for talent and is open for that talent to come on board remotely, then we'll get to know what they're looking for. We'll put their jobs into our platform and then through some algorithms, basically, the platform decides who that job uh, should be shared with. So we'll share that job with the candidates, and then um, those candidates will be able to see the offers apply through the platform. Their profiles will be shared with the company, and it's very much like any um, any local hiring marketplace, but we're taking it to be um, for remote candidates. And then we take a fee um, off of the placement. So if a company ends up hiring, uh, any of the candidates that we were able to connect them with, then we take a fee usually off the annual salary. This doesn't come from mm -hmm. the candidate side. It comes, the company pays it as a fee, as a finder's fee. Um, but then we also have subscription, uh, based plans for companies that are continuously hiring. So typically the finder's model is kind of for the first time that the company is trying our marketplace and then once they're constantly using it then we do a subscription model why should you know a company go with tecla you know i think that now um nowadays i'm seeing you know a new job marketplace pop up a lot uh, yeah. or new ones popping up and that's really exciting for me because that's saying something's going on, right? Like more and more people are looking to hire remote talent and that's super exciting for me, but that makes the job difficult for you, right? Because you're not the only remote, you know, marketplace out there. Right. What is special about you guys um, that makes that process easier for companies and candidates yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's definitely a lot of job boards right now that are popping up that are um, exclusively focused on remote talent. Um, there's not as many uh, marketplaces that offer more of a full service and a matchmaking service. And that's really mm -hmm. where most of our focus is, is placed, is on uh, helping companies meet um, candidates that are, you know, helping make that connection be, be smooth for, for both parties. And so 
there's a lot of tools that our platform has which helps candidates stay in the loop. Uh, we do on the candidate side, really, we try to make sure that they're seeing opportunities that are relevant to them, that they're going to be interested in. And then we try to make sure that they're getting constant updates on that, you know, application, on that process. Um, so we're doing a lot for the uh, for the specific for the candidates and then uh, for the companies. It's about that matchmaking service. And obviously being remote, we we have talent that is throughout the Americas not just in the U.S. So we have candidates on our network, you know, from the U.S. remotely, from Canada, from Mexico, from South America. And um, so far we've focused on the Americas because of the time zones. And it's just uh, the region uh, and the communities that we know being from, you know, uh, being from Lima, myself, and then my co-founder also being from South America. So it's, it's just the region that we know best. Have you found um, companies pushing back on the fact that some of the talent is coming from other parts of the Americas, not the U.S.? Um, to explain why I'm asking that, for example, I was born in Bulgaria, and I'm always telling you know companies like guys, there's amazing talent in other countries, you know, that is just as high quality, if not higher, than some of the talent that you'll find in the U.S. Um, do you ever get them pushing back and you know to the fact that you know, these people are not, you know, U.S. located. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of companies that we work with that restrict their opportunities to ju- just be open to candidates in the U.S. or the U.S. and mm-hmm. Canada or whichever countries they pick when they're posting their job into the platform. Um, they're able to select which countries they want to open that opportunity to. And there's a good number of companies that want to stay just U.S., for example. Um, The way we try to, um, you know, sort of depict the the situation for companies is that when it comes to remote talent, um, why not give yourself the opportunity to see what kind of top-level senior talent is out in Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, Peru, um, anywhere that has a pretty similar time zone. So, you know, those countries are in Eastern time zone or Central or sometimes the same exact time zone as the companies. Um, So working with someone remotely that is based in, you know, say the companies in San Francisco, someone remotely in Los Angeles versus someone remotely in Argentina or Mexico, it's one remote really opens up the ability to say, there, there's not that many that many differences anymore. You know, you can hire more of a diverse group um, from different countries and multicultural. But um, yeah, definitely some companies try to stay within certain countries. Yeah. What do you think is the most important thing for candidates from other countries that want to work with uh, U.S. or can- Canadian-based? Uh, companies in order to make that hiring process for them easier. I mean, obviously, I would imagine like language, you know, is very important. You know, you and I both work remotely. We know how important communication is. Is there anything else that a candidate from another country can do in order to improve their chances in getting hired by a U.S. company? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I guess I forgot to mention maybe that our network um, as it is today, is still an invite-only network. I mean, there's uh, 
people want to join and obviously we have interviews with them and we talk to them and we see if they're a good fit for the opportunities that are coming through on the platform. And if that's the case, then we bring them into the network. Um, so that's the process that we, uh, that's a process that has certain, uh, um, certain steps for candidates um, outside of the U.S. Um, in Latin America, obviously, we test for their communication skills, being able to speak English fluently, well, almost fluently, um, being able to um, obviously show that they have experience working for companies remotely previously. That's something that we that we require at this point is uh, if you've been working in Argentina just for local companies, um we we do still i mean we're still open to to talking to that candidate and seeing if it might be a good fit but it 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 tends to be that candidates who have experience already working remotely for for US companies or Canadian companies or just international companies have um a pretty good understanding of what the process is like you know the hiring process and also the pro- the management and the actual work process so um so yeah there's definitely several steps that we that we take in order to make sure that we're bringing candidates on the network who who can succeed. You know, we just don't want either party to be unsuccessful. You know, not just mm-hmm. the company, but the candidate is going to leave with uh, an experience that uh, wasn't wasn't the best. Mm. Now, I noticed that you guys specialize in tech talent, correct? Yes, yes, uh, tech talent. Yeah. Is that because of your prior experience working in tech or do you feel like there is something about the tech skill base so to say that applies better to working remotely i think that it's it's both of those things to be honest um i think that we are tech focused because we have experience building products we've worked with a lot of companies uh, in the U.S., tech companies, so we know what their processes are like. We are better able to understand those technical roles and do a better job on the recruiting aspect, uh, you know, understanding what type of candidate they're looking for. Um, so we're not, you know, sometimes it's hiring or recruiters that don't have much technical experience. They fail to really connect with what the company is actually looking for. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely why we're tech-focused. Um, and then... Like you said, I mean, it's not so much that the roles lend themselves more to be, you know, um, specifically just for tech, but it's the fact that a lot of engineering teams are a lot more comfortable with hiring remotely than, say, um, I don't know, even even product management, you know, is a role that you tend to think is a little bit less remote able than software. You know, you push your code to GitHub, you're collaborating with people you know, down to the minute and it's not an issue and you can do a lot of the work, you know, on your own kind of schedule. Um, yeah, there's definitely there's different roles that are better for, for remote. Yeah, for sure. But it's also the fact that there's some teams, I think, that are hiring that are more comfortable with the mm-hmm. remote dynamic than others, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you think that or let me rephrase that. How what do you think? other jobs or other professions are missing or what can they do in order to become more remote friendly? I think that the the number one thing that we see is that remote is something that sometimes companies don't know if they can do well. And we work with some clients and we try to help them see if 
it's a good fit for them because we're not saying that remote or distributed is something that it's a growing trend, but we're not saying, you know, in the future, it's going to be the, the only thing, like the only way to work. And this is the best way to work. And we're not saying that we're mostly saying this is a pretty great option and it can work. It could work for your company, but it still depends on how that company operates. And the number one thing um, <clears throat> we try to focus on is um, the way that that company shares knowledge. If they're really focused in, you know, getting into conference meetings all the time into getting very in-person knowledge sharing, then it's going to make it a bit harder to integrate remote team members because those team members are going to be missing a lot of the information that mm -hmm. gets, you know, relayed in person. So it, it sort of depends on how the company shares that, that information. Now, you talk a lot about culture on your company. Um, and I know that is a very important thing for a lot of companies, right? Is like the culture of the team and the culture of the company. Um, how do you stimulate a culture when somebody's remote? Like what can companies do in order to still have a healthy culture while having remote employees? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we really focus on making sure that, and it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of good for us because we're a 100% remote company. And I think it's a little bit harder. It's a bigger challenge when it's a company that has both in-office team members and fully remote team members, because mm -hmm. then, you know, the company might feel like they're doing a lot in the office. They're planning all these events. They're making sure that people really feel like they get to know each other and build, you know, that report. But um, they're not doing that for remote workers. Those, those, those people are getting pretty left out. So it's a little bit of a bigger challenge for companies doing that hybrid model, I would say. Um, but the same factors apply, I think, you know, making sure that um, if you're using Slack or whatever tool you're using for, for daily communication. Nowadays, even in office, most of the communication happens um, on, these, on these digital tools, you know. Mm -hmm. So... Um, if you're, if you're, if that's the case, then you need to make sure that, um, everyone is involved in those tools and then communicating through there and that you're sharing company information through there. And that basically still, you know, that everyone feels like they're a part of the team, not just the people that are in the office. And that's the main thing that we do. Obviously, um, we are constantly talking about, you know, people's, even when someone has something coming up, like we, you know, talk about it on the channel and therefore, the whole company really knows who everyone is and what everyone is up to. And obviously, you know, everyone shares a different amount of things. But we try to we try for some personal conversations to happen, even if it's one to one. You know, um, people talk about stuff other than just work, and that's really how you build that kind of social social scene, even virtually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I I should have probably asked this earlier, but now that we're getting kind of into the weeds of things. What does a perfect client look for you like look like for you guys in terms of what sort of companies work with you, right? Are you looking for companies that are doing a hundred thousand in revenue per year or like a million? Like what is the like if somebody's listening has a company that's trying to hire remotely, how can they know if they're the right fit for you guys? Yeah, I mean, no, we, we work with companies that are, you know, between five employees, I think is probably the smallest company we're 
uh, we, we've worked with in, in the past in the past year with with this marketplace model. It's probably been you know a company of five employees um, up to 200 or so employees is the largest. So we do tend to focus on helping smaller companies, and it's not companies that are you know a thousand, two thousand, I don't know, big Fortune 100 or Fortune uh, even 500 companies. We we actually uh, focus on helping smaller companies. Um, those companies are sometimes um, the least, um, those companies sometimes are the least able to compete in such hot technical markets, you know? Mm. Um, and so they're very open to try and remote because they cannot attract enough, um, talent to their, to their jobs. And so they're more open to working remotely. And I think that's, what's going to keep obviously pushing. Well, you even see larger coming, you know, Amazon just, I don't know how many remote jobs they um, released just recently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's smaller and large companies that are doing it, but <clears throat> we're focused on helping mostly smaller mm -hmm. companies. Gotcha, gotcha. What if um, if I have a company and I'm looking to hire some people remotely, what would be the tips that you'd give me in order to make that process easier and to make sure that it's successful? Yeah, I mean, if... Uh, if you're hiring remotely, you know, uh, using Tekla or using a job board or whichever several um, tools you're going to use in your process, I think that um, the the process technically the process is is similar, but um, I think that you do want to focus on making sure that again from the very onset you plan on what kind of talent you're trying to bring on to the process you know um if once you talk about remote then like i said the geographic boundaries are really um not as big of an obstacle as if you have an office and you're hiring in person in office in a specific city obviously your demographic is pretty um reduced to that to that proximity to the office mm -hmm. um so obviously, if you're planning on hiring remotely, you have to make sure that you know first what is going to be your audience. I mean, it's just like when you're releasing a product, you know, when you're releasing a job and you want to bring top talent to it, you need to make sure that you study, okay, who's going to be, who do I want to attract to this job? And the process is is pretty similar in terms of, you know, marketing and sales for a product. Uh, you're making sure that people get that exposure to, um, to the job. And I think... You can get candidates to apply to a job. I don't think that's hard, but I think it's very hard to get the right kind of candidates to apply to a job. And so you need to do a little bit of planning beforehand to, to make sure that you know, you know what you're going to value in a, in a remote work um, dynamic and also um, set up a plan. You know, what are your policies going to be if you are hiring remotely? Um, just like if you're hiring in person, though, you need to set up a plan. It's going to be a little bit of a different plan with different policies and different expectations and um, just to set up a plan of how it's going to be like to work on your team and, and what kind of um, what kind of things that people should follow, if they need to follow certain things, certain parameters, and, and those kind of things are important. And I think they're a little bit different when you're planning a remote team plan versus in office. It's just a little bit of a, a few differences for sure. I have friends who, you know, run remote companies and when they hire on people, a lot of them like to do sort of like a testing period. Like, hey, we'll bring you on for three months and see how things work out. And in the end of that three months, we'll decide, you know, if we're going to go full on. Is that something that you suggest? And if so, um, what are some of the things that 
you like to look for in terms of performance uh, during that period to make sure that person is going to be a good fit? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I, I also have noticed that a little bit that when we talk to clients, um, they want to know about what uh, what typically other companies do in terms of uh, you know a trial period and that sort of thing, and um, that is still something that I'm trying to um, understand a little bit better. In fact, that is something that I talk to our clients about, and I'm trying to myself learn what the fundamental objective is behind that, just to make sure that we don't turn off candidates with that, because um, obviously every job, um, you know, if if both parties are not satisfied, you know, if the candidate's not having a good time, or if the company is not getting what uh, they were hoping to achieve from that hire, then the relationship is going to end. Um, so I don't really understand how, what, what that trial period can help you with, because, you know, as you know, obviously everyone is trying to hire full time with the hopes of working with people long-term. In fact, all of the opportunities that we bring in through Tecla, we vet as well, making sure that the companies are, you know, set up with their plans, that these aren't, you know, project based or just freelance opportunities, because remote kind of opens the, the the whole picture up to that. But we try to focus on full-time team members, hiring people that you want to bring on. Yes, they're working remotely, but they're part of your team. So um, we vet that on that side, making sure that they're long-term opportunities. And so if we're clear with that from the get-go, if, if the company knows that the candidate wants something long-term, they want to, to you know provide you with a lot of value, and the candidate knows that the company wants them for long term as well, but things just don't work out. They just don't work out. And I think that um, obviously the company and the candidate will come to an agreement about that and, you know, the relationship will end. So I think when companies are like, well, we want to make sure that candidates know that they're in a trial period. Um, I think everyone knows, like when you're into a new relationship, uh, be it work or personal, it's a trial period because you don't even know, even if it's a new friendship, you don't know if you're going to like that person enough to be long-term friends. Maybe it's just an acquaintance, you know? So, I mean, just like that in work relationships, I feel it's the same way. And when you start the whole relationship, think about a personal relationship where you're like, well, Midco, I like you, but I mean, you're in a, you're on a trial period right now. I don't know if we're going to be friends very long. I really don't know how much that can help because isn't that implied? You know, mm. um, and we, we try to make sure that we're transparent that way between companies want people long term. That's for sure. Candidates want to work at places long term. So, you know, we've already set that up. I don't think there's a need. Um, and, and so I guess there would be a need if the company is hiring and they're not quite sure what the intentions of the candidate are. Like, are you thinking of this as a project? Are you thinking of this as like a gig? So I guess the, the bottom line is make sure that everyone is on the same page about what you're trying to get out of the interview and then the whole, um, you know, hiring process. Yeah. I think that, um, in terms of the whole, like kind of like trial period thing, I think the reason why people do that is they want to kind of, uh, make sure that the client is a good fit for the position. And I think that with your services and what it sounds like you're doing, you kind of do that for the client, you know what I mean? And when, when that, a person comes in with kind of like the approval of Tecla, it's basically saying like, hey, this person's coming to you 
because we've approved them. So there's really, you know, they have more, much more trust uh, in the fact that that, uh, that person is going to be a good fit in the company. Yeah, although I, I do have to say, if we're talking about a trial period in the sense of the company wants to make sure that, for example, if they hire someone and therefore they owe Tecla a fee or they have a subscription model and they mm-hmm. hire someone, that if it doesn't work out, that Tecla is going to be there to help them and to make sure that, okay, that did not work out, but we're going to obviously find a replacement that we do provide, you know, as a company, um, everyone that works through Tecla gets basically a guarantee that they're hiring someone for the long term. So if, of course, we do the best we can do to make sure that, uh, that, that the candidate and the client belong together, that they're a fit. But if it doesn't work out, like, like things can just not work out once you start working with someone, uh, we do help the company make sure that they can find a replacement quickly and someone that is a, a, the right fit for that role. Gotcha, gotcha. You you mentioned that Tecla is um, a network that is currently still invite only, right? And uh, I'm guessing what you mean by that is that you invite only certain people to be a part of your network to receive jobs. How do you qualify, you know, who can be in the network and what can people do in order to be, uh, quote unquote, attractive to uh, other companies that are remote? Right, yeah, by... By invite only, I mostly meant that, um, obviously, when we first started, we were mostly recruiting candidates to be a part of this network. In a way, we were, all, we were doing that uh, you know, um, before anything. We were trying to get people onto this network. But um, now, obviously, there's a lot of inbound in those terms as well. I mean, a lot of candidates come to us and they say, hey, I, I want to be a part of Tecla. I want you to let me know about the opportunities because we know they're high quality. Um, and so in those cases, yeah, we still go through a vetting process. And so that's what I meant by invite only. Yeah, it's not completely open. Like not anyone can create a profile and be already receiving those opportunities. Everyone can create a profile, but then obviously we review them. And um, basically the, the main things that we try to see in that people can definitely um, work on is the... The, the, the main thing is actually um, the experience that we see remotely. Um, you know, obviously that helps a lot if the candidates have already had experience working remotely for other companies, um, then we know that they're quite familiar with the dynamic. Um, but besides that, obviously we are uh, vetting to make sure that they've worked at companies and on projects that are pretty relevant to the opportunities we have. Like we don't have thousands and thousands of opportunities at a time. We're handpicking which companies should get together with which candidates. So um, obviously, unfortunately, at this point, we're also having to review based on the type of technologies that we're bringing opportunities for, the type of work environments, the size of the teams that the companies have versus what the candidate is used to. So a lot is a lot is actually very subjective to the opportunities that we as Tecla have. We're not saying you know, you're a terrible candidate. Really, that's most of the time not why we're just not ending up you know, able to bring someone onto the network. It's actually because, hey, what we have is not a good fit. So I think that's more respectful for the candidate than, than just saying, oh, you know, there's something specific. But obviously, um, and I would have to say, unfortunately, 
uh, resumes are super important still in today's age. And, and some people just put more time than others into them. And some candidates might say, you know, that's an antiquated way of looking at, at my professional experience. And I would agree, but unfortunately there's antiquated um, methods still in recruiting and in hiring. And it's not just Tecla, but it's the companies that are hiring. It's everyone. It's, it's everyone that still needs to change their perception, perception of the resume. Although, of course, for, for engineers, it's, um, it's moving a little bit more along with, you know, GitHub and actually being able to look at code and see a little bit more. It's like, you know, for designers, the portfolio obviously trumps the resume. And for, for engineers, I think obviously GitHub and all of those, um, all of those accounts, um, Stack Overflow presence and all of that, LinkedIn and everything that they can do to show sort of what kind of work they've been doing is also starting to to um, make the resume less important. But it's still important. It's still the first thing that that um, hiring managers are going to look at. You know, it's it still is, and it, it shows even your organization skills because a an organized, nice, tidy coherent resume means that you can put information that is not just code, but actually business related information in a pretty coherent way. So it's still important and it's still mm -hmm. something we look at pretty, pretty, um, pretty much initially. Yeah. You guys uh, work predominantly with talent and companies that are based in the Americas. Um, but a lot of people who listen to this show love the love remote work, because they can do what they do best, but they can also like travel or kind of like, you know, have uh, possession of their time and stuff like that. Are there issues that you see with working across time zones? And if you do, do you have any tips from your experience on how you can deal with those? Yeah, I mean, and then that's, yeah, that's, that's a, a very interesting subject. Of course, there's that whole remote and, and nomad uh, lifestyle, you know, and then that's, it's something that's very, um, very important and very attractive to a lot of candidates that are working remotely. And I think that, um, typically what, what I see, at least what we've seen is that companies are very open to that. Once they know the candidate a little better, they might say, of course, we've been working for, you know, six months and we've been doing such an amazing job of course we can deal with time zone differences we can deal with you traveling um that's still something that i would think that a lot of companies from the from the hiring perspective they still see as a risk they mm -hmm. still see as something that um you know obviously if i can prevent it i would much rather work with someone that is in a pretty similar time zone and just uh you know everyone kind of in their respective time zones i think um, so it's just one more step, but something that needs to continue happening, because I do think that obviously it's something that can be achieved, that can be achieved well. I think that it takes a lot of trust uh, between companies and, and um, professionals, but I think that it can uh, definitely be achieved, and it's something that um, can provide each person with so much satisfaction that they're obviously going to be more productive in their work, since you know obviously your personal life is tied to your performance at work obviously the happier you are the more productive you're going to be also at work and in general and so yeah it's it's something really interesting and honestly it's um something that we don't deal with as much because of our you know america's focus at the moment um but you know within within what we've been doing i know that there's a lot of candidates we've placed that are 
you know, working sometimes while they're, you know, taking long extended time to travel. And it's, it's working out great for those candidates. I know that it didn't happen right off the bat for them though. Um, and I would just, I would think that it would depend on the relationship that the manager has with, with, uh, well, that the team has with that person who wants to do that. I don't know. Maybe you, you can probably tell me more about that maybe with the people that the audience that, that you have on the podcast about what their experience has been than, than I can actually. Yeah. I think that the time zone thing is, is really interesting because you have seen, there's companies out there that specifically say, Hey, we're a company that is a hundred percent distributed all over the globe. And we're trying to attract those sorts of people. And I think that's really interesting because when the whole company is sort of, you know, set up that way, um, then you kind of like attract the same people and everybody knows what's going on and everybody has that trust with each other. Uh, but at the same time, it has also really helped certain locations, in my opinion, like Medellin, Colombia, for example, is a huge hub for, you know, digital nomads and remote workers because you're in this cheap place that's awesome, but you're still in a very, like, relatively similar time zone to the U.S. So even if you're working with a company that is restrictive on the time zones, that doesn't mean that you need to be stuck in the U.S., quote-unquote. You know, you can still go elsewhere, but just stay, you know, relatively close in terms of time zones. Yeah, absolutely. That we've definitely seen, and obviously um, we actually see a lot of candidates that are um, U.S., um, U.S. citizens living in Latin America. So we actually do see it. We see a lot of people going and moving to, to Latin America and to all of these countries that are part of our network. And, uh, and yeah, they're, 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 they want to work with U.S. companies. They, they're open to working with any company, really, and, and living in a, in a pretty similar time zone. So that kind of travel we do see a lot. And I guess I was mostly talking about that travel you might do if you want to be maybe for three months working in Bali or something. And I'm pretty sure that the time zone is going to be uh, pretty, pretty uh, difficult to manage for most roles. And so that's when I guess I was thinking about it, it could be a little bit more complex. But um, the whole travel and work, if you can control that time zone, I think it's an amazing opportunity for remote and uh, can do so much, I think, for your personal, um, yeah, your personal life and therefore your work life. Yeah, I think that um, I think it's Jason Freed, like uh, the guys over at Basecamp that wrote a book and it's all about kind of like remote work. And one of the things they talk about is that as long as everything is set up in the company properly, you should be able to get by with just like three to four hours of overlap. And I think that that's kind of like what they suggest is that obviously, you know, uh, it can be really difficult to work if you're on the complete opposite ends of the world and you have no overlap but as long as you have three to four hours of overlap with your kind of like main hub and the rest of your team um and everything all your processes and all your communications are, are set up properly you should be able to kind of like make things work now i'm really curious um because like you said tecla is also a fully distributed team and i want to hear a little bit about as we wrap up here you know like what has your experience been running a remote team uh, and running a company remotely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that book that you were um, referring to is Remote Office Not Required, I think. Yeah, they the, have the one two. That they wrote a few. Yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, they, they have do, two, yeah. and I, I can't remember which one exactly talked about that. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I've read both, and they're obviously great reads for anyone in remote, anyone you know trying to build a remote team or working remotely or you know, such great books. But um, 
personally, I mean, personally, I see myself as a team member of our team. So when I think about what my experience is as a remote team member on this, you know, 100% remote team, I find that it's, I can't imagine working another way, basically. Uh, you know, I see so many benefits to it. I see that obviously I have, um, you know, a strong influence in the policies. I set them. So obviously it's kind of by a little bit biased, but um, I guess it's easy, I guess, for the company to work in a way that for me personally ends up working well. But, um, you know, also as an entrepreneur, I mean, I can't imagine building everything we've built and doing everything we have done without this model. Um, you know, we've, we've met so many great people with so many diverse backgrounds, you know, multinationality, multicultural, um, so, so rich for the work experience to have all these friends and team members from so many different countries. Um, and obviously it's been, um, it's been a, a great experience in terms of building the company, opening ourselves up to being able to um, hire from a larger talent pool. And therefore we are comparing more and more candidates and a lot of companies complain about the talent shortage. And um, when you think about, remote um you do amplify that and, and you find um better fits for your role so i mean i think it's been great i can't imagine this you know my entrepreneurial journey without remote work and then as a team member i also um just i'm constantly thinking about ways to make it more engaging and, and that's the that's the number one thing i mean um you work remotely and, and you might know that some days you might go without a lot of face-to-face -face interaction. At least for me, uh, I'm working a lot, and that's, therefore I'm uh, I have you know just a home office, so I'm at home a lot, and um, that pushes me to think about ways that people can interact more. You know, have more of those social connections at work, and uh, and obviously that's something that I'm constantly thinking about. But um, if you continually push yourself to, I think, improve those things. I think remote work is only going to get better and better. And obviously talk about virtual reality and augmented reality and all of the things that can be achieved at some point through those technologies, obviously not super, not, it's not going to happen, you know, next year. I don't think, I think it's going to take a little bit more time even, but, um, but, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the future only looks brighter for remote work. Yeah, I I mean, just like you said, I mean, I've been working remotely now for three years and my girlfriend has been doing the same. And we often talk about, you know what, like there's it's tough, but it's tough in the office, too. But I, I can just never see myself knowing what's possible and all the opportunities that are out there with remote work ever going back to an office. That's it's just like to me, it's crazy. Like I had I was trying to plan like a road trip with some friends and i was like okay like let's go here let's go do that and they were like i don't know if i can take that much time off to go do this and i was like i just like had to stop for a second there and be like oh my god like that is a problem that like i literally haven't had to worry about of like time off you know to go do something uh and, and, and like with that in mind like what are some of the benefits that you've experienced you know in your life of being able to like work remotely as opposed to being stuck in one location and in an office I mean, for me, it's being able to travel and being able to work while I'm on the move is extremely satisfying because, mm. 
it gives you all this freedom to manage your time a little bit more than when you're just in an office. And so um, it gives you a little bit more independence and that gives you a little bit more responsibility and that gives you, well, that gives me a little bit more power and more, um, I'm more focused when I'm working. Mm. And so I feel like also there's a little, no one is looking over my shoulder it's me. I'm responsible for what I need to get done. And it's just extremely satisfying to be able to work. And nowadays, you know, with your phone, iPads, computers, there's internet everywhere on the planes and the airports and cafes and large cities in the U.S. and small cities and provinces in Latin America. There's just internet everywhere. And um, obviously that's going to keep improving. And so it's, it's extremely satisfying to be able to say, right now I'm going to work like a couple hours. And it's maybe a couple hours before everyone's in the office, you know, traditionally, but I'm working. And so it's like, it gives you that, that freedom, you know, not just location wise, but for me mentally, you know, it gives mm-hmm. you that freedom to work, um, to work when you want to work. And I think that I get better work done when I do that. Well, Gino, I've loved having you on. Um, I learned a ton and I, I hope others did too. Um, before we roll out, um, where can people find out more about you, more about Tecla? Um, you know, where can people connect with the company if they are if they like what they hear? Yeah, I mean, the, um, I would say obviously I'm I'm on LinkedIn and um, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So anyone that wants to find me and chat, um, and then on our on our website, it was just three months ago I think that we launched our blog. Um, and we're really putting in a lot of our attention internally to sharing more and more guides of, you know, how to manage a remote team, how to work remotely as an individual, how to shift from in office based job to remote job, how to hire overseas, how to hire remotely, um, you know, obviously how to do recruiting for remote candidates. I mean, all sorts of things about basically hiring and working remotely. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited because we're, um, we're hiring more people to specifically create more and more content and, um, you know, provide more statistics on remote work. Cause I feel like that's pretty lacking. And in general, it's like every study has these statistics that sometimes seem like way off to me and, and there's not that much information in general. It's kind of hard to find, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about building more and more content that can help people work remotely, hire remotely and manage teams remotely. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, if there are people that are more interested in, in reading good articles about remote work can uh, find our blog. And, uh, and that's, you know, obviously social media and, and the blog is how we're going to be communicating. I'm super pumped to hear that you guys are writing about all that because that's why I started this blog is because I feel like not enough people were talking about it or there were all these questions in this new wild, wild west of work that nobody was answering. Nobody was having these conversations or like at least like I I feel like some companies were finding the answer for themselves, but then they wouldn't share them. And then there was this like there wasn't this communication happening that, you know, helps stimulate growth. And so super excited to hear that you guys are writing about it. And I did check out your guys' blog and there's some fantastic content on there. Uh, So I'm super excited to dive in there further. But, Gino, thank you so much for uh, being on. I'm I'm super excited to have gotten to connect. And, uh, you know, hopefully we, we bump into each other at some point. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks so much for having me. And I love what, what you're doing with the podcast and then the kind of content you share. Um, so I'm super happy to have been a part of it on, on this episode here. And definitely we'll stay connected, you know, virtually. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers.